the wise Sir Bedivere was the first to join King Arthur's knights. But other illustrious names were soon to follow. Sir Lancelot the Brave, Sir Galahad the Pure, and Sir Robin, the not quite so brave as Sir Lancelot, who had nearly fought the Dragon of Angnor, who had nearly stood up to the vicious Chicken of Bristol, and who had personally wet himself at the Battle of Baden Hill. And the aptly named Sir not appearing in this film. Together they formed a band whose names and deeds were to be retold throughout the centuries. The Knights of the Round Table. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And tonight we're rejoined by my lovely wife, Carrie. Hi, hon. Hello, everyone. And you were we also wa- supposed to have the second host of Happy Hour Television. Unfortunately... Yes, Tyler might have COVID. Um, we don't meet in person, but he was not feeling well, and he felt like he wouldn't bring his A game uh, to the recording tonight. So I hope Tyler's feeling better by the time we release this. Right. And yeah, just like every other movie and the Hollywood that we'll be talking about the in this episode, everything that came out the last two years has been claimed and tainted by COVID, just like Tyler. So it, it's only appropriate that one of our guests suffer from that at some point especially during this month, which this week we are, we're finishing up best of the decade by doing uh, 2020 and 2021. Now, obviously, since everyone has been alive the last two years, we all know what went on in the world to warrant movies kind of shutting down for a while. And they're not, and us combining two years and being able to do that because there wasn't much that came out. So that's what we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about some picks. We'll be talking about care has picked, um, would you pick the gentleman she picked uh, Mike picked sound of metal and then uh, Tyler picked the green knight. So we'll touch on that a little bit. And I picked uh, the movie freaky and uh, we'll get into all that, but first we got to talk about what we're drinking. So Kara, what do you have? Okay. So I'm drinking Dr. Brew Little's a chickadee check yourself, check Pilsner, um, which you guys have already re- you reviewed on the, yeah. Mike's cauldron is weird. It's weird to watch him <laughs> out of the cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who, you know, are listening and not viewing, um, Mike is drinking out of his large, previously mentioned large cauldron again. And I didn't want to believe that it was, you know, freaky, but it absolutely is. Freaky. That's three, Perfect word. Yeah. Three 16 ounce beers I have in there. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the reason why I'm, even though you guys already reviewed this beer, the reason why I'm drinking it is because I listened to the 2017 episode um, in which you guys had Jeff. From Jack. Dr. Jack, I'm sorry, Jack <laughs> from Dr. Brulittles. Um, and it's a fantastic episode. Loved listening to it. Loved listening. You know, I think he he was great on the show. So um, uh, he was awesome. Yeah. So before what I I had tried uh, Welcome to Maple Shade by their brewing company. So I wanted to try another one since I liked listening to him so much. All right. Well, what do you think? I, I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. I'm not usually not a Czech Pilsner person, but it's very smooth. Yeah. Good stuff. How about you, Mike? All right. So I haven't gone to one of my favorites in a while with a Forgotten Boardwalk in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, and I went with Dime Museum, which is a black lager. Now, the term Dime Museum refers to like older, like uh, there's a period where muse- there would just be like pop-up museums. They charged the dime for admission and they had all sorts of weird stuff that they were showing off, which I think is the perfect combination of what movies during 2020 and 2021 were. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
It even the can on top says admission one ticket. There you go. Yeah. yeah and, and for a period just, in movies, that's all you could get in, just one person at a time. <laughs> so it is a black lager. I am looking for the percentage on here. They're usually a little bit higher. 5.2%. Yeah. So nothing too crazy. And I'm a big fan of most lagers. Yeah, there you go. No, black lager is almost like it's like a lager, but it has like a chocolate coffee-ish taste to it. And I, I really like this one. It goes down well. Yeah, as opposed to like black IPAs, which are just like dark looking regular IPAs. Yeah. And but, I, um, I do wish the alcohol was a little bit higher because it tastes like the alcohol should be a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I on the other hand, since it was we are recording this on Boxing Day for all you Canadians and uh, I think England as Brits. well. Yeah, I know you Brits, but um, we're recording on Boxing Day, so that means that the United States we had Christmas yesterday and over the weekend didn't have much time to beer shop. But when I was shopping for bottles of wine for people's gifts, I happened to stumble across a ship bottom brewery beer that I had not had yet. And um, wow, like, they exist. Yeah, yeah apparently. And, Besides uh, that, actually, of course. <laughs> yeah, they were actually in cans too. It was that a uh, total wine where they had it, and it's off-season sour ale and i'm not drinking sorry steve i'm not drinking out of my horn tonight because one of my other christmas presents from my lovely brother and sister-in-law was a big ass mug with my name engraved on it so i am drinking out of that and it's now is ross brewing gonna sue about you having a glass with ross on it yeah they can do their counter legislation to my my legislation that's still pending (laughs) so yeah that's that's it me and ross brewing just gonna be a prolonged uh, legal battle for the rest of our lives whoever dies first <laughs> but uh but yeah my off-season sour is very good it's 6.5 percent. it's a kettle soured uh ale conditioned on raspberry puree blackberry puree milk sugar and vanilla beans so you can take those berries you can taste those berries but like the vanilla kind of smooths it all out so it's not it's a sour but it's not incredibly sour see i so. didn't i didn't taste the vanilla when i tasted it i only i could only taste the like the raspberry and like i said it almost tasted like cranberry too yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. But um, anyway, so that's what we're drinking. So now on to the main event, which is talking about the last two years. We'll start with 2020. And uh, best picture was fucking Nomadland, a.k.a. Sadness the movie. Uh, and then the, the Razzie went to Absolute Proof, which was the documentary put out by the My Pillow guy about the 2020 election <laughs> and how Trump actually won it. But the highest grossing film of 2020 was Demon Slayer Mugen Train. Previous Hell episode. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> now Fucking also awesome movie. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. But now also on the superhero end of it, a rare thing nowadays, we had no Marvel movies released, not one in 2020. And uh, but DC was able to sneak in two of them, and Fox was able to sneak in a Marvel quote unquote Marvel movie. Now, we had Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That came out in February of 2020. And then we had Wonder Woman 1984. That fucking abomination came out in December of 2020. So what a way to end that god-awful year. It was ridiculously yeah. bad. And then oh, New Mutants. Movie. New Mutants also snuck in there somehow. like the long Another delayed... pretty awful movie. Yeah, and that was the long-delayed New Mutants. They were threatening to re- release that after a while and eventually just kind of threw it on streaming i think now on the superhero and 2021 hit like a fucking train it was awesome 2021 um, did come back swinging 
if I was allowed to pick an MC, um, MCU movie, I might have picked Chang Chi. <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, it was pretty uh, great. it's just an awesome kung fu movie that happens to be in the Marvel universe. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that like really like separates it from being a kung fu movie that makes it a Marvel movie is the end. Like the end's just yeah. a big CGI battle. That's all it is. But um, we also had Zack Snyder's Justice League. Then there was uh, his cut, the Snyder cut, and there was Black Widow, which I saw once and I'll never have to see again because it's fucking forgettable and awful. And of course, <laughs> we have this, uh, what came out, what, not last Thursday, the Thursday before, Spider-Man, Far- or No Way Home. Spider-Man, yep, that one came out. Have we all, have all three of us seen it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I really loved it. Yeah, no, uh, no, we're not going to get into spoilers or anything, but guess what? All the rumors are true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone went into it assuming the rumors were true. Like, I was in a car and I'm like, oh, Andrew Garfield was my favorite. And my friend's like, that was, he's like, you ruined that for me. I'm like, you, you didn't realize they were going to be in it? Come on, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's, what are we doing? But um, then, of course, there was Venom, Let There Be Carnage. That also came out. I've yet to see that, but. From what I understand, it's fairly interesting. You had uh, the Suicide Squad, which came very close suicide. to yeah, If I was, was allowed to pick that, that was in the running. Yeah, I was going to. And then, of course, I mean, neither none of us have brought it up because it's so goddamn forgettable as well. Eternals came out as well. Because yeah. <laughs> who gives that a fuck? happened? <laughs> but it's but it's a diverse movie. You can't hate it. No, you can hate movies for different reasons than the fact that they're diverse. You know. You know. <laughs> um, I'm sad for it's Richard Madden, right? That's yeah, it's, it's, what's his name? Rob Stark. That's all he is. <laughs> I'm sad because I'm not sure he's ever going to be a star of a good movie. He was great as Rob Stark, but that's all he will be, probably. Yeah, he got kind of got the shaft as being one of the lesser Irish actors, you know, out there. And uh, even Kit Harrington is in that, I think. And it's like, yeah. Jon Snow, just live off, live off your Game of Thrones money, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it seems like outside of like the big names that were already going into Game of Thrones, the uh, people who got famous from Game of Thrones, not working out the best for you. Right, and one of the kids in the Eternals, I don't know what the actor's name is, because again, he's the, that movie's forgettable. And the best part is, I haven't even seen it, and I know it's terrible, because the tra- the trailers, I have no idea what's happening based purely on the trailer, and every Marvel movie, his trailer gives you the entire story, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what's happening in that movie nope, none. <laughs> i don't even know if there's a villain <laughs> uh, yeah there kind of is i guess <laughs> <laughs> but of course one of the kids in that is in the green knight we'll we'll briefly touch on him he's uh he robs uh gawain at one point in that movie but of course with 2021 since we're still in it and all the oscars and razzies come out the next year we don't know what our best picture is going to be and we don't know what our worst picture is going to be but i would venture a guess that um We'll probably see something involving, you know, uh, Cruella or like Spiral from the Book of Saul. You know? I, I fucking hate Cruella. I fucking hate it. I didn't see it. I refused to see it. I mean, I, but not many people did see it. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's the girl version of the Joker. I'm like, guess what? That lady, her entire inspiration for what she does in the original is skinning puppies. Yeah. Guess what? Someone who wants to skin puppies does not deserve a happy or a sad backstory to justify why they want to skin puppies. So go fuck yourself with that one, Disney. I mean, it's like, 
there there's a reason why characters are villains you know we don't need to understand we don't need to humanize some villains it just doesn't need to happen you know like maleficent for angeline jolie's performance it's great but we didn't need we didn't need maleficent to be a sympathetic character it just didn't need to happen like all we needed to know was that she wasn't invited to a bridal shower or a, a baby shower and then she got pissed and, and cursed the baby for life like that's all we needed to know about her we didn't need to know that she used to be a fairy who lost her wings who fell in love all that we don't no one cares who gives a shit you know i blame <laughs> i blame wicked wicked started that right. whole who trend. gives a fuck you know but and of course you know jumping back to 2020 there was stuff like good shit. Now, of course, there's the finally the U.S. release of Guns Akimbo finally happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so that movie finally officially got released as, as opposed to all the other years where we've mentioned it. And of course, there was tra Trolls World Tour. There was Onward came out. Uh, my other choice would have been Bill and Ted Face the Music. I was going to go with that one. So we had two Samara movies in that in 2020. Yeah. And then we had Hubie Halloween, which I've heard is actually a fairly decent Sandler movie. <laughs> I think Hubie Halloween's pretty funny, if I'm being right. real. Steve Buscemi shows up as like a not werewolf. Like he's not actually a werewolf. He's just a crazy guy who thinks he's a werewolf. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> as opposed to him being actually being the wolfman in those Hotel Transylvania movies. Yeah. <laughs> Which I enjoy. I enjoy those movies too. Also, yeah. you get you get Ben Stiller reprising his the same character from Billy Madison. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which Ross, you came very close to getting a Christmas present because I saw an action figure of that character, and it had a uh, <laughs> it had a uh, like a, a quilt that just was labeled handcrafted good shit. <laughs> nice <laughs> I, was, I was also thinking like i happen to be online today like on amazon today and i happen to saw i saw like a nick cage um coffee mug where it was like which nick are you today or something like that saw <laughs> pictures of his face with different emotions and all that i was like i think i should get that from mike <laughs> but then of course there was there was a couple like in 2020 was weird obviously because every movie that came out after march was all straight to streaming and some of it was shit that was supposed to get theatrical release. So it was like normal movies, like The Hunt came out. That was finally released after being pushed. Bad Boys for Life managed to come out before everything shut down. Same with Gentlemen. Invisible Man was about to have come out right before everything went down. That just got pushed on new um on his streaming as well. But that's uh I don't think HBO stocks could have shot through the roof more because it seemed like everything that was supposed to get a theatrical release was like, hey HBO, can we uh about HBO Max. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what that's what Warner Brothers did. And that's what got um, Christopher Nolan pissed off. And that's why Tenet, despite his whining and British complaining, didn't do so well. Because and that's a movie you really should see on the big screen. And yeah. unless you have the right setup at home, it's not going to hit the way I think Nolan wanted it to. Even, but I, it's still, it's it's still not weird. It's a decent movie, but I wouldn't consider it like I'm not a Christopher Nolan fan, but I don't think it's in the upper echelon of Nolan movies, even by yeah. my standards. And the ending of that movie is, like I've said before, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's the end of that. It's all it is. You know, it's remember a trash can. You know, but which I'm so surprised you did not pick Bill and Ted well, yeah. three. And that's what I said. Like I was I was debating on picking Bill and Ted face the music, but the movie I did pick, Freaky, mm -hmm. is 
uh, there's just something it's it's something completely different about it and it's yeah. it's it's a great turn on an old trope and it's it's really just a great movie but of course then there is soul came out um defy bloods that um spike lee joined about vietnam that one of chadwick boseman's uh chadwick boseman's final movies then there was palm springs which was um kind of like andy samberg's groundhog day Mm-hmm. but not like it, it's a really kind of it's 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 good and it's funny but it's it's on hulu i think and then there's an american pickle which was seth rogan time travels to meet up with modern day say his modern day like great 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 grandson or something and it's it's kind of like a weird family time travel thing old world seth rogan doesn't really know how to cope with the new what his family lineage has become kind of thing and it's just really fucking weird, <laughs> but that came out. And then of course there's promising young woman, which I think people actually did get to see. Cause apparently it was like on the short still like the short list for a lot of Oscar talk and all that. But um, apparently that's supposed to be pretty good. And you also got the Sonic, the hedgehog movie or the movie, Sonic the hedgehog, the movie I like to refer to as the movie where the entire audience cyber bullied a production team until they changed what Sonic looked like. <laughs> right. Until they took away his teeth. <laughs> they made him better or whatever it was. But of course, there was yet another remake of The Grudge. Apparently, we needed the ninth version of that. Do Little Place Part Two was pretty good. Yeah, well, there's that. Doolittle came out in fucking January. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Fantasy Island, Brahms the Boy too. The fucking Impractical Jokers movie. Jesus Christ. Can we stop with those guys? <laughs> I didn't hate The King of Staten Island. I, I thought that movie was decent. I know you're not a big Pete Davidson fan, but I did. Like a Jud- that's Judd Apatow too, right? Uh, I'm not a fucking Apatow, Apatow fan either. <laughs> he had something to do with it. I know he did. Because that's why that's the reason why it's nine hours long and yeah, it is Judd Apatow. Yeah, it's nine hours long and not funny. But there's so much that came out as well. Like then there was Bloodshot, that uh Vin Diesel like sort of superhero something or other movie. But Deep Blue Sea three came out, <laughs> which makes me upset because there's a Deep Blue Sea two that I have not seen. Right. The the. Spoiler alert, neither of the sequels can have Samuel L. Jackson in it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like that's their own fault. Right. But um, the Croods A New Age. The Croods is the first one. I haven't seen A New Age, but the first Croods is highly underrated. <laughs> it's not bad. It really isn't. And then uh, the live action Mulan came out, which, again, way to waste your money, Disney. And then uh, then the sequel to a good movie, a bad sequel to a good movie came out. The Babysitter, Killer Queen. Now, that's the sequel to the movie The Babysitter with Samara Weaving, which is a great movie. The sequel sucks. It's it's no good. And it's it's really, she's only in it for like two seconds, though, which makes it even worse. But um, then there was that The Devil All the Time, that Tom Holland movie where he's like oh, in yeah. the fucking South or some shit. I think, what's we, his name? Robert Pattinson's in it at some point. We saw that in the theater, didn't we? No, we saw it here. It was on Netflix wow. and then it came on. But um, and then of course going back, jumping back to 2021 or 2021, there was Willy's Wonderland came out this year. Fantastic movie, Amazing. fantastic, so good. He doesn't say a goddamn word the whole thing. He does nothing but play and I, I, like, soda and kill uh, kill robots. <laughs> he's killing robots. He's saving these scenes from these robots, and then his break comes up, and he's like, "All right, fuck you guys. I'm gonna go play pinball." <laughs> he drinks a can of soda and he plays some pinball. 
But uh, Coming to America, the number two, the sequel yeah. to Coming to America, not bad, not terrible, but not bad. Kind of like Bill and Ted Face the Music. It's kind of like, this is better than it should be. You know, it's it's not incredible, but it's better than it should be. Yeah, Dune, which was pretty close to being my pick for this year. That was a great one. Well, my my pick for this year was going to be The Many Saints of Newark when that, that came out. I because there's a lot of things that I both enjoyed and didn't enjoy about that movie. Uh, it's worth, it's definitely worth watching. I'm so glad I watched it. And I think I've watched it twice at this point, but um, yeah, there was a lot that I had to talk about with that movie. And, but um, the only problem was it wasn't available. Well, it's, it's one of those where like it's off HBO max, but now you got to like rent it for 10 bucks or 15 bucks or something like that. You have to buy it for, you can only buy it 20 bucks. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I love the movie, but not enough to, that I need to mm-hmm. own it. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed Free Guy. <laughs> no, I didn't see that yet. Didn't I haven't see seen that. Yet. I heard it's okay. I heard it's all right. It was it was a g- decent way to spend a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But then of course there's New Bond, No Time to Die. Um, because this year, people actually got back to like going into the theater. Like everybody started getting vaccinated. We actually started sitting in movie theaters again. And then and- Spider Man No Way Home came out, and everyone went back to the theater. <laughs> Yep, Spiderman, Spiderman No Way Home came back and it blew everything out of the water, still blowing everything out of the water. Even the movie that I think is, it's not terribly bad, but it's, it is kind of what it is. You have to take it for what it is. It's the Matrix Resurrections. It's, it's not the original by any means, which is a perfect movie in my eyes, but this, it's about as good as the Matrix parts of the second movie. Obviously, the third one's got awful and it's better than that, but it's, it's actually just, it's funny how Lana Wachowski kind of was like, you know what? I'm kind of going to do a bit of a dig, like a grudging dig at Warner Brothers, and I'm going to make this movie like under duress, essentially, but I'm going to make it my way. And it's like, okay, well, at least Warner Brothers made it, let her make it her way. You know, it's mm-hmm. the ending of it is corny as shit and doesn't really work, but it's like, all right, I, I'm okay with this. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It's 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 worth it. It's a bit long, but it's 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 worth it. It's fine, especially for the the new quote unquote uh, cast members, which are Jonathan Groff and uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen. Uh, however you pronounce that dude's name, I apologize to the man if he's listening. But uh, he plays the new Morpheus, and then Groff plays the new Agent Smith. And it's it's not a secret that he's Agent Smith. It's in the goddamn trailer. So, <laughs> but it is it's it's worth a watch. Now you have, as we mentioned it last week, you have West Side Story where half the cast isn't in brown face. Right. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Um, but, um, which everyone's like, oh no, it's flopping. And I, to me, I'm like, well, you released it at the same time as Spider-Man No Way Home. So like, just I, for- fact. I didn't even <laughs> People realize People are going to risk going to the movies twice. No. <laughs> I didn't realize it had even come out. Like that's how much Spider-Man <laughs> overshadowed it. And you know what? And good for Spider-Man. Good for Tom Holland. If I can have a creep moment like my husband does so often on these episodes with Samara Weaving and um, Ana de Armas. Damn and, right. Right. Okay. I love Tom Holland. Good for him. I hope he makes tons of money because he's so stinking cute. Yeah. Good for that scrappy upstart Spider-Man. If only he got the attention he deserved in the movies. <laughs> Let alone the fact that that movie is literal proof that he has entire franchises dedicated to him. <laughs> but the best part is that Spielberg did West Side Story and everyone was like, nah, we're good. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> 
take your racist play and get out of here. Right, get the fuck out of here. But uh, of course, then we had Fast and Furious Nine. We had F Nine. We had Luca. We had um, yeah, also known as the movie that where they went to space. Right. Yeah. Space Nine. <laughs> space Furious. But um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Ryan the Last Dragon. Luca, like I said. But then we had two more Nicolas Cage movies. Okay, we mentioned Willy's Wonderland needs to be seen. Then there was Pig, which is essentially John Wick with fine dining. <laughs> I haven't seen Pig yet. It's on Hulu. It's a must watch. <laughs> and then there is Prisoners of the Ghost Land. I have. I watched Prisoners of the Ghost Land last week. <laughs> I forgot to text you about it. It's amazing. <laughs> for of the for those who don't know or have only seen the trailer, is the movie where Nicolas Cage has a bomb suit on. One of those bombs is, stra- is attached to his balls. <laughs> and yes, one of those bombs goes off. <laughs> and no, it doesn't kill him. <laughs> but it's it's such a ridiculous, like almost purposely ridiculous movie, but it's it's so good. It's so good. And of course, there was movies I, a movie I hadn't seen, which I've been told is good. 8-Bit Christmas apparently came out. That's apparently a pretty good one. Um, Old, which is uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, Jolt, which is, I think, Kate Beckinsale as Crank 3, basically, I think is what it is. But uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, new Candyman, Jordan Peele's Candyman came out. And um, then there was one of my favorite movies of the year, Godzilla versus Kong. You can say that that movie is dumb as hell, and I don't care because it's giant monsters fighting each other, finally, and we get a little bit of humans as opposed to the opposite when we talked about Godzilla a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Although I did like Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. I like Kong Skull Island, too. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. And then on the shit. They had Tom Hiddleston in it. Oh, yeah. And then on the shit side, we had the Mortal Kombat movie. (laughs) What's that? Well, I would say we had the Mortal Kombat movie. The new yeah, live action. Movie, <laughs> okay, so that that movie, it, the cold open, so fucking good, and Amazing. then the rest of the movie happens, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then, well, the rest of the movie happens, and the whole time it's like that Simpsons guy. When are they getting to the fireworks factory? It's yeah. when are they getting to the Mortal Kombat? <laughs> They're not getting to the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> but of course, then we had In the Heights, which was uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, musical about Brooklyn or some shit or Washington Heights or something that didn't involve anybody that actually lives in Washington Heights or whatever, wherever it's supposed to be. The Forever Purge, uh, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which somehow we didn't watch, even though the Hitman's Bodyguard is one of my wife's favorite movies. Yes, have to watch. I do have to watch the sequel. A movie we did see, our first movie back in theaters, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Classic. Fucking fucking great. Great, terrible movie. But um, Snake Eyes, which was, has about 10 minutes of Samara weaving in it, from what I understand. Um, Halloween Kills, the AKA the terrible Halloween movie. Now, speaking of terrible sequels, Home Sweet Home Alone actually also came out. That movie's got awful. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife as well, which is basically like, hey, remember how Howard, Howard Ramis is dead? Uh, let's make money off his ghost. And I mean that literally, because his ghost is literally in that movie, from what I understand. And, you know, it's a shame because Paul Rudd, like, if you make Paul Rudd the front man of the ghost of a modern Ghostbusters movie, I'm for it. Like, I feel Absolutely. like Paul Rudd is the perfect casting to head your ghost, your modern Ghostbusters team. Oh, Absolutely. 
And then Sexy, there's... sexiest man of the year. And there you go. And then there was House of Gucky. And uh, I think there, there was some other lesser garbage that came out probably, but who cares? We're done talking about the other shit that we're not going to be talking about. So now let's get into Tyler's pick of the Green Knight. So Tyler, go ahead and uh, lead us in. Oh, right. Sorry, Tyler's Tyler's fighting off the vid and uh, he couldn't be here. Now, <laughs> I do. So Tyler and my friend Kyle went to see it in theaters and Kyle calls me after. He's like, I just saw the most fever dream of a movie I've ever watched. Yep. Which is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I had to text Tyler in the middle of it. I'm like, okay, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> now, I do. So I do think it's like a pretty cool medieval fantasy concept. Like I like it enough. Like I, I wouldn't pick it as my favorite, but I, I generally like medieval fantasy style stuff. And I thought it did nice with that. But in what it does to the Arthurian, Arthurian legend, particularly with the character of Gawain, is they're basically like, hey, this character, what if we make him the opposite of what he is in the legend? Right. And I was referring to it as the tale of Sir not appearing in this film, you know, from Monty <laughs> Python, the little baby. <laughs> yeah. You know who did appear in the film? Groot. Fucking Groot made it. Yeah. 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 Groot and and Ent made it, aka the Green Knight. But um, he's oh played by uh the father from the Vivich. <laughs> <laughs> so when I heard his voice, I'm like, I know that fucking voice, but because you can't miss that voice. And then yeah. I looked it up, I was like, hey, it's him. <laughs> All right, <laughs> at least there's that. But um, of course, Dev Patel is fine. Dev Patel is actually really good. I I enjoy I, that. I do. I, I thought the acting was fine. I thought the I thought it was a really cool visual style for a movie. Yeah, it was the cinematography and art direction was awesome. Like it looked really cool. Like uh, a lot of like vibrant, like brilliant colors in it at times that we really needed. It was great. I didn't hate the character arc for Gawain, but again, in the Arthurian legend, Gawain is Sir, is King Arthur's most trusted knight. He is his nephew, but he's also supposed to be the most chivalrous knight. He's supposed to be one of the bravest knights. He's supposed to be the defender of the maidens and the poor. So he's supposed to defend women and poor people, which is pretty much exactly what he doesn't do. <laughs> well, he's not even a knight in this. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even call him a knight. But then, of course, you know, there's there's a lot of like trippy shit in it. But of course, you know, if you've seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier, You've seen the villain in that show. And I say villain in quotes because she sucks and she's oh, instantly she's forgettable. But she shows up in this movie as a rando ghost that's lost her head in a bog or some shit. And it's like, oh, okay, this is this could be something. Oh, it's not? Okay, yeah, sure. She's, she's still forgettable. <laughs> she's still the worst. But And then, of course, there's one of my favorite scenes, which kind of came out of nowhere, even though it's an A24 movie, which to who did Midsummer, they did Hereditary, they've done uh, Disaster Artists, they've done a bunch of movies that like weird shit happens in Midsummer, especially. In this one, uh, Gawain gets jerked off onto his like belt and then he gets like shamed for it (laughs) yeah she's like oh you sick fuck it's like you dirty monkey what are you doing on my belt (laughs) my god how that actually happened (laughs) (laughs) so so my whole thing like the whole thing is like his mom kind of sets up this whole thing for him to prove himself 
I'm like, yeah. mom, you really, you really had to work in uh, me getting jerked off by the doppelganger of my kind, not really girlfriend who I treat like shit. Right. And my mom, who's not Priyanka Chopra in old makeup, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean, but this whole, Which, movie, this whole uh, his movie. mom is also a major character in the Arthurian legend, even though she's just referred to as mom here. She is King Arthur's sister, who is an enchantress. Yeah. And even with this movie, like, like another change from this movie, from what I was saying, is the ending. The ending's a lot more, um, in this, it just kind of ends where he says, uh, the Green Knight says, now off with your head. And you're supposed to, and then it ends. And you're supposed to think, oh, does he mean, okay, I'm going to cut your head off now because that's the returned blow? Now, theoretically, this movie, had someone paid attention to the little speech in the beginning, all they had to do was just poke him with the sword a little yeah. bit, and that would have been the blow, and that's all that would have happened to him. He wouldn't have possibly yeah. been decapitated. But at the end of the, of the thing, you're supposed to say, like in the epic, in the uh, the poem, it's or the story, it's supposed to be, okay, now off, comma, with your head, as in leave with your head intact. Yeah. And in in the the uh, the the debate supposed to be now what way does it mean? Do they mean now we're going to cut your head off, or is it leave with your head and dignity intact essentially, and yeah. for being the honorable man? But in the, this, it's a little bit it's it's a little bit like questionable and a little bit wishy washy, but still, it's it's kind of like oh. It just ends. And then, of course, there's the fucking post credit scene with the little girl putting on a crown. It's like, what the hell is this all about? <laughs> it's like in, um, it's like, what is it in a, what, I think it's um, Force Awakens, where like it has like the little kid sweeping or some shit, and then the broom is like force powered or some shit. It's like, well, who the fuck is that guy? You know? <laughs> so I think with the credit scene, I think that's supposed to be Mordred which is like the biggest combatant against king arthur essentially uh well, which oh, is it's also, begins <laughs> which is also like uh i think she's king arthur's niece or daughter depending or son depending on which version of the legend but basically rebels against king arthur and also has magic i just thought it was weird when she put on the infinity gauntlet and said i'll fine i'll do it myself i thought yeah. that was weird i thought that yeah. was really odd i was like wait <laughs> Is she Thanos? What's going on here? People did turn to dust. <laughs> they yeah. did. It was weird. It was really weird. But that's that's what Tyler would have talked about. He, he probably would have had us talk about that. He probably would have said, bro, it's amazing, bro. He probably would have said that a couple of times. He probably would have made fun of me for, you know, not remembering a Disney movie that referenced it or some shit like that. Or And I probably would have yelled at him for being too loud. And you, you guys have heard Tyler episodes. So it's, it would have been roughly the same. Except we're talking about the Green Knight where a guy gets jerked off into a belt. But instead of continuing with that, we're going to move on to my wife's pick, which was of The Gentleman by Guy Ritchie, a.k.a. Snatch, Lockstock, all those. We all know who he is. I actually forgot one point about The Green Knight. I love how, so for some reason... That, that film studio likes to have people eat poisonous mushrooms and have grass grow on them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And of course, it's the same thing. But in this case, it's like, well, what did you expect, dude? You're in a fucking cave eating mystery mushrooms. Of course you're going to hallucinate and throw up. <laughs> also, I do have a direct quote from Tyler he, when he texted. In description of The Green Knight, it says, it changed the synapses in my brain. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I mean. Tyler. That, really? That's pretty accurate. <laughs> then you obviously haven't seen midsummer you know just that movie will fuck with you 
fuck with you forever. And it'll make you love bears. It'll make you love bears. But anyway, now we're on to the Brits and the gangsters and the toddlers. The gentlemen. The gentlemen and the bruvs and the chads and the toddlers. They're going to dig out the bush, buckets of boxes of bush. (laughs) I saw the gentleman and immediately went, hell yeah, Guy Ritchie returned to full form. Well, before Mike goes nuts, we'll let my wife, we'll let Carrie, like we usually do, we'll let her introduce why she picked the gentleman. Okay, so I picked the gentleman. One, it's it's one of the last movies that we got to see in the theater before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it also, was my last movie before the pandemic. Ours was onward. Like yeah. we saw that right before everything went down. Again, Tom Holland, make your money. You deserve it. Love you. Unfortunately, Chris Pratt as well. All right. Um, but anyway, so I picked the gentleman. There's, I don't know what it is that I like about this movie. I mean, maybe. You know, my pick was going to be the many saints of Newark. Like maybe it's just the gangster aspect. Um, this is just gangsters in England, basically. Um, but actually, no, it's a lot more than that. So <laughs> the first thing that jumps out at me, and I never thought I'd hear myself say the words, is I, I think it's Hugh Grant in this movie that does it. He, I absolutely love him in this. That's Fletcher. And I didn't think I would ever love Hugh Grant in anything. Well, he gets to be like, he gets to kind of fuck around with this character. He gets to just yeah. be kind of like a little fuck, you know? It's, it's, he's like, he's like a goofy, cheeky little Hugh Grant ver- version of himself. Right. He's like, this is how Hugh Grant wishes he could act to the public. <laughs> right. He's a, he's a cheeky snake kind of thing. It's like, he's like that. He's, he's a cheeky little boy, but. And the way he goes um, back and forth with Charlie Hunnam, um, even though Charlie Hunnam is completely stoic, not giving him anything, the, he's, his, acting around all of that um and that's part of charlie hunnam's character but the way that um hugh grant acts around all that and still is able to be that cheeky and funny is amazing now i love so uh guy Ritchie was like can charlie hunnam lead a movie and then king arthur happened and we went no no, and we then he's like, well, what if, what if we sprinkle Matthew McConaughey, Hugh Grant, and Colin Farrell in one of his best roles? And then we're like, yeah, yeah, that could work. Yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we got to get the big, we got to get the big name, which is the McConaughey. And because, and that's my issue. My what, I mean, this movie is, I'll straight up say, I like this movie, but it's not peak Guy Ritchie gangster. That is Snatch. That's yeah. the best one. And that still holds up, too. Like, Lock, Stock, and Smoking, Two Smoking Barrels doesn't really hold up like Snatch does. Snatch still holds up, and it's great. You can tell with Lock, Stock that it was, like, his first major film. Yeah. And then, of course, there's, I mean, it's been forever since I've seen Rock and Roller, but that's that's also all right. And then with this, Charlie Hunnam is probably my, my only problem with this movie because, A, He's not a glasses guy. <laughs> He's not a glasses and posh sweaters looking kind of guy. That's just not who he is. But if you put more of a trying to think of who you could swap into that role, but like if you if you're going to dig into the snatch roster, if you want to put Jason Statham in that role, I'd be like, okay, he could he could play this. He'd probably be more of the Colin Farrell role, but he'd yeah. be a lot, he'd be much, I think much better in the role that Charlie Hunnam plays as um, Raymond. I think he'd be a lot better as that. And honestly, that's the only thing that this movie is missing is Jason Statham. No, now I'm going to throw weird. out, I'm <laughs> going to throw out a replacement for Charlie Hunnam that I think works even better than Jason Statham. 
I'm going to go with Tom Hardy to play the role. He would have been good, too. He would have been really good. <laughs> because yeah. he's got, again, he's got that accent. And they, now that's the thing with, like, Guy Ritchie gangster movies. They all, ha- they all talk the same way. And they all have that, like, street London accent. Like, that South London accent or whatever, like, the, the dirty accent is, essentially. But Like, the Cockney. Well, Mike, are you, I mean, are you thinking about um, Tom Hardy's character in Peaky Blinders? Did you see him in that show? I was thinking more about his character in Legend. Well, yeah. one of his characters in Legend. Okay. <laughs> and I was thinking more of Inception. <laughs> like, I think he would be, you, you must not be afraid to dream bigger, darling. You know, he would have been good as that. But with, th- with this movie, it's, it's really, it's, it's great because Guy Ritchie gets to go back to what he does best, which is the convoluted, british gangster story you know it's it's really none of of this movie makes sense up until about the three quarters mark (laughs) you have no idea what the hell's going on here wait a minute there's a school of boxing kids that break into a weed house just for shits and gigs (laughs) the toddlers (laughs) who why are they called the toddlers who knows <laughs> maybe that's but a british that, thing <laughs> now i love colin farrell in this movie i absolutely he's love oh he's amazing that's so colin farrell is one of those actors where it's like one movie awesome next movie uh... <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i love his his whole character in this is great but i do love his um explanation of the guy named fuck <laughs> yeah. it's like it's fuck spelled with a ph so, so it sounds like fuck it's like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but and then you also have Eddie Marson, who is like the most unfortunate-looking human being alive, but still plays, always plays that like smarmy, like like greasy type of character in almost everything he plays. Like if if he's not playing that role, he's playing some like put upon dope kind of guy, and in this he ends up he's the editor of a um, like a tmz type publication like a uh, like a tabloid rag and he ends up f- getting drugged and fucks a pig so <laughs> now it's a great little twist but it's also better if you've seen the black mirror episode involving the prime minister fucking a pig <laughs> that one's a great one as well yeah this movie it's like it's a lot of fun it is really a lot of fun good gangster movie um I like the mix of the, uh, is it the Chinese mafia that's there too? That's kind of. Yeah. It's like the triads with uh, Lord George and uh, dry eye. Dry eye. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, be- the best part is that Henry Golding who plays dry eye actually gets to use his like legit accent. I think he's actually gets to be British. <laughs> what else do I know him from? He was in uh, crazy, crazy Asians. And, um, Which I actually that that was pretty close to being my 2018 pick. I like him a lot as an actor. He was also in that. Uh, I think he was in that Last Christmas with uh, Daenerys with um, what's her name? Amelia uh, Clark. Amelia Clark. Yeah, he was. I think he was the gave you my heart guy. Like he gave her his heart or something. Okay. But um, yeah, he's he's good. And then of course there's. A, a scene that would play better, and like you said, it's weird that J- like we said that Jason Statham. It's weird that Jason Statham's not in this because he's in Lock, Stock, Snatch, and Revolver, which is another uh, Guy Ritchie gangster movie. And to, for him to be in the scene where 
Charlie Hunnam uh, goes into the to save the uh, the Lord's daughter, like the one guy's daughter, to get the daughter back, and he accidentally pushes the guy out the window. Yeah, <laughs> and that sets all that whole chain. Uh, poor Russian, uh, <laughs> right? It's like a Russian oligarch shit, you know. But um, yeah, if if he were to be like Jason Statham were in that part, it'd be it'd be better. But I also, for some reason, I'm thinking like I want to see Vinnie Jones in that role too. I'm thinking <laughs> I of love little... Vinnie Jones. I'm thinking of his speech in, in the bar to um the, the black guys in Snatch, where he yeah. describes who they are and his like, gun and all that. And you smelled pussy, but there's no pussy here. And you brought right. two soft little balls <laughs> along with you. Right. Yeah, like all that. I think it's it would just be really good. And then I, I enjoy the your actor. gun says replica on the side. Right. And my right. gun says Desert Eagle. Point five, point five on the side. I just saw him on, yeah. And I, I just love the actor that plays um, what's his name, Bunny, in this movie, yeah. <laughs> the big black like henchman. <laughs> he's just, he's so. And one of the best parts of like Guy Ritchie like crime movies is that they're so casual about the horrifying things that they're doing. <laughs> and they're just so very British about it. It's great. Well, and then yeah, Jeremy think- Strong as Matthew to play like the the mastermind going against McConaughey but he seems likable kind of at first but he find out that he's the slimiest of them all yeah doing a weird Stephen Tobolowsky impression I think everybody in this movie was perfectly cast I, I I absolutely I loved him in it because he was so he was like just such a slimy creep like but that was the character he was playing um, but even, I mean, even if you go to the top, even if you go to McConaughey, and I know people will disagree with me for saying this, but I either love McConaughey or I hate McConaughey. I, there's roles that I love him in. This is one of them. Then there's other roles where I can't stand him. Um, I think it's, you know, he goes, he tries to go over the top, but I absolutely adore him in this film. There's a lot of things about his, like, and how he plays his character that are just amazing to me. I also really like uh, Michelle Dockery as his wife. Yeah. And I like the relationship that they have, too. Is that a paperweight? <laughs> um, and I, so I, she's basically, I'm like, if you take the, uh, the girl who's working at the, uh, the betting house owned by Bricktop in, uh, like, you, do, you do know who owns this. Uh, off. <laughs> She's like, you do know who owns this place, right? Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, you take that character and you give her like a full role in the story and you get Michelle Dockery's character and she is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's running that like all women body shop. <laughs> oh, she is so badass. I love it. She is badass in this movie. Is that a paperweight? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, this, this whole movie and it's, it, it it cracks me up just watching it because it does have a lot of like that good dark like weird almost inappropriate for the setting like guy Ritchie gangster humor like for some reason when um the scene where um you're introduced to Colin Farrell he's in the, the restaurant he's ordering the takeout or whatever and he's approached by one of my favorite characters in any Guy Ritchie movie or any British like gangster show of some some show involving crime in, in england 
it's like the shitty little kid or shitty teenager like criminal who think they're like the toughest motherfuckers on the planet even though they live in england (laughs) where it almost like goes against cultural norms for them to even kind of be tough but these guys start coming and start giving shit to the people behind the counter and colin farrell turns on him and starts beating him up essentially (laughs) but he's doing it with like while instructing them on how to be better criminals. <laughs> but it's like, all right, this is such a great introduction. But at the same time, it's also encompassing like the world of the Guy Ritchie crime movie where you get all these little dickheads that are like there. They're trying, you know, they're going to be these people when they get older, but you got to start somewhere and they're all just little pieces of shit. That's, that's why I love uh, Coach with uh, right. with the toddlers. He's like, did he just call me a black cunt? He's like, yeah, he did. Think- he can't do that. That's racist. Well, you are black and you are a cunt. <laughs> well, the fact that I'm a cunt is nothing to do with me being black, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that whole little bad whole part's great. And then uh, I just, and then one of my favorite things comes also in, because the toddlers put everything they have on YouTube, everything they do on YouTube. And at the end, they have their little rap video over the credits. <laughs> where they're, they're singing their song, Boxes of Bush, which... <laughs> It cracks me up just because knowing that they're talking about weed and this little heist that they pulled, which was essentially nothing in the grand scheme of this operation. <laughs> but it's just so funny that you hear these like British rappers and like using their accents in while they're like rapping. It's like, oh, this is this is just charming. <laughs> this is charming. <laughs> What's British rap? Grime? Is it British grime? I guess. I have no idea. And uh, the best way to describe it is charming. It's charming. Like you're a British guy. Ah, that's <laughs> right. It's just charming. But like delightfully British. <laughs> exactly. Delightfully British. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, why and I guess that's probably why I like the guy the guy Richie gangster movies. Because as opposed to like Harris said, American gangster movies, like, well, not American gangster, well, American gangster too, but like many saints in Europe, that's the Sopranos, you know? And then we have the Godfather, we have Goodfellas. We have all of our mafia movies that when you look at these guys, these dudes are animals. They're essentially just monsters. They're monstrous human beings. Whereas, and they're doing monstrous things while also controlling major cities in the country. But when you see these Guy Ritchie movies with these British gangsters, you're like, is this a parody? Like, are they really right. criminals? <laughs> like, no wonder McConaughey's the kingpin of all this because he's American, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like he knows what he's getting. He knows he's playing in a world that doesn't use guns, you know? So he can do, he can go a lot farther and he can do a lot more than he could probably over here. <laughs> But yeah, anything he else to add? Deal with, he doesn't have to deal with like New York mafiosos. Like oh, he's in London, the police don't right. carry guns. <laughs> no, and the only gun in the movie. Well, there's a couple guns in the movie, but the only one that really comes there anything is a fucking little pea shooter. <laughs> Actually, you know, it only does things. Charlie Hunnam's got an automatic rifle on him, but all he does is fire it in the air. He doesn't really do much with it, you know. And no, couple- he kills the guy in the bar with it. Oh, that's right. Well, no, not with the revolver. He's got a handgun in the same when he does right, that. Yeah. But like they're they're not using guns all the time, you know? But it's and they're also not doing things like mafia style hits and shit like that, which is like they try to do the, the shot on McConaughey, but that obviously doesn't work. But the toddlers aren't they're using MMA. Like when yeah. they're fighting people, it's like, all right, okay, I get it. This is 
British gangsters, you know? Yeah, but you know what? I like that. I like that there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, they didn't need to use guns like oh, throughout no. the whole movie, which is, which was really good because sometimes it's over, sometimes they, it's overkill with the, with the gunplay. Well, and it ends things a lot faster too, you know, and it's, it also doesn't allow for a certain sense of like the back and forth that they give with all these, with all this stuff. You can't really get like the witty back and forth that we get, or like yeah. the, again, like the charming Britishness of it all. <laughs> and like I said, the and like I said, the one thing that I like is the back and forth between Hugh Grant and Charlie Hunnam. I think that's even though there's more, you know, it's a lot very one sided, um, but I do like, you know, I like the way Hugh Grant plays that, you know, all of those scenes. <laughs> I and I like, and I love when he hits on him. Like that crack that cracks me up because the look on Charlie Hunnam's face just works there. Right. Where he accidentally stumbles across them moving a body. <laughs> we have a problem here, Fledger. Uh, I forgot to wash my hands. Let <laughs> me go in here now. Uh, remember to knock first. <laughs> and he ends uh, he ends up in the cooler. Right. I love when he's in the cooler. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's probably enough about the gentleman while we do a beer check in, hon. How's your uh cheaty check yourself, Pilsner? Really enjoying it. Very good. I'm gonna try. Uh, I'm gonna try more from Doctor Brew Littles because I, I think that was my second favorite one that uh, he let us try. That uh, Jack let us try. Yeah. Um, uh, welcome to Maple Shade or greetings from Maple Shade. Mm-hmm. Greetings from Maple Shade. Yeah. Yep. I I can't get anything right tonight. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. That was that was very good. But and I'm enjoying this one even more. So I'm I'm curious to try some of the others. Mike, how's yours? I'm doing good. I can't exactly tell how many I've drinking so far because, you know, the cauldron, cauldron problems. Right. <laughs> but um, right. I, I always enjoy Forgotten Boardwalk. Uh, they're great in Cherry Hill. Uh, it's not too dark. Like, it doesn't taste like, it looks like a stout. It doesn't taste like a stout. Hence yeah. it being a black lager. But, you know, I'm really enjoying it. And I got my uh, off-season sour ale by Ship Bottom in. I'm on number two, and I forgot that like some sours kind of make you feel like uh like the chicken cabin fever or like with no <laughs> lips or like fire marshal bill you're like your, yeah. your teeth are kind of pushed where your lips are pulled back you're like yeah these sours are getting me <laughs> spicy let me, isn't show it? <laughs> let me show you something let me show you something but but it's it's still really good and it's 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 most sours aren't like sipping beers but this is like yeah. a sit and just kind of chill out beer you know i like it so on to Mike's pick of Whiplash 2, I mean, Sound of Metal, uh, <laughs> directed by Darius Martyr, who, this is it. This is it and some other random movie, but this is it for him so far. Well, he did, he did write The Place Beyond the Pines. Well, there you go. So, uh, so, Mike, tell us why you picked yet another drummer movie. <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of running themes. Train <laughs> movies, drummer movies. Um, right. You've had a theme going. I forget what it was. <laughs> yeah, I forget what it was, so. Um, so before I get into that, because we were going to have happy hour television, we've never gotten a second episode of that. I thought I should mention Arcane, which I think is the best, the best movie television kind of thing to come out in the pandemic. Fucking fantastic. Best first season of a television show since Game of Thrones. That's two. That's two plugs now for happy hour television. I'm excited. We're gonna yeah. get, we're gonna get so many more followers. We are on Apple Podcast now. <laughs> yeah, but now give us a listen. Movie. You are you're on you're our April episode <laughs> of I found on Spotify Apple Podcast. 
<laughs> and my theme was mockumentaries for a little bit. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, all right, to the the uh, movie. So I thought the sound of metal handled what it was trying to do amazingly. I thought um, it covered very much how a lot of people handle the deaf culture, um, how people deal with losing a, with losing a uh, sense. Because so the story is of a drummer who essentially gets a very serious case of tinnitus that eventually causes his total loss of hearing. Now that my one complaint about the movie is it seems like it just kind of happened in one night, which I'm fairly sure that's not how it works, but I know he would have noticed. <laughs> yeah. He definitely would have noticed that he had tinnitus before that. <laughs> that was really the only problem I had with this movie, though. I had a few, but we'll I, let Mike keep yeah, going. <laughs> <laughs> now Looking at the movie, I think Riz Ahmed is fantastic as the lead role. Um, he got nominated for the best actor, and rightfully so. I thought he absolutely killed it. Um, I also really like, I don't know how to pronounce it, Paul Ricci? I think it's Ricci, like Christina Ricci. Um, as Joe, who um, he has spent a lot of time assisting deaf people he grew up with deaf parents yeah he himself to... is not deaf yeah yeah he grew up with deaf parents he learned how to speak sign language at a very young age uh he's ran theater programs for deaf children he's done a lot of work with this and i think the way that they handle it the way that they show the uh the community of uh helping deaf people with handle addiction i just think everything in this movie is so well handled uh the one character i'm not particularly a fan of is lou you mean olivia cook with yeah the weirdest fucking eyebrow choice ever yeah <laughs> but then again um, for her character that's almost right because she's she's basically white yoko oh now <laughs> yeah she's just now, unlikable now i do I do love the, like the intro of this where they're showing them at the con like small venue concerts, setting up merch stands. I spent a lot of my high school years going to like small concerts like that. Better mu- I didn't like their music at all, but <laughs> it wasn't music. We can just yeah. get that out of there right now. A not music. B not metal in any possible way. So when you yeah. describe when they like all the press from this movie says a heavy metal drummer, he ain't a fucking heavy metal drummer. He's a drummer accompaniment to garbage. I mean, he could be a heavy metal drummer. He just is not doing that right at that moment. Now I would argue that the sound of metal part comes when he finally gets his implants, and that's all he can fucking hear, which is ten thousand uh, mosquitoes through a drive-through uh, radio. Which I at the best part of this movie is when he's spending the time at the deaf community. I think that is where the movie is at its peak. And then I think the ending when he finally kind of accepts being deaf and just kind of takes off uh, the uh, implants and just enjoys the silence. Yeah. that Now that I would rather see. I would, speaking of enjoy the silence, I would rather see like the Depeche Mode story, you know, as opposed to this horrifying quote-unquote music that they're playing (laughs) just play enjoy the silence over whatever the fuck they're doing (laughs) you know i don't need to hear it it's got awful (laughs) so my my only complaints about this movie are the music that they played and the fact that his deafness comes on in literally a day (laughs) yeah i mean it's like you gotta jump in the story somehow but yeah you gotta kind of shock him you know but yeah Mm -hmm. The one thing I think they really did well, though, is uh, because I actually learned sign language at a young age and I still 
I, I remember very little, but I do remember enough to have like a basic conversation. So there were times when um, he was sitting, when he first got to the deaf community and they were having conversations around him and he had no idea what was going on. And the audience didn't know what was going on either because there were no subtitles. I they, thought they that only was... gave it subtitles once he understood what the sign language was saying. So they really put you in the shoes of, um, of Ruben. Yeah, they made you go on the journey with that character. And I thought that was really good because at first there were, you know, Ross was trying to put subtitles on and he couldn't. And I said, okay, so I tried to translate some of it. And, but then I was like, I, I kind of took a step back and I was like, well, wait a second, that's not the point. The, the point is, is that you're supposed to be feeling the frustration, the same frustration that the character feels. And you really did. Yeah. And from what I understand, most of the people, uh, if not all of those people were from, like the actual deaf community that the, that yeah. um, Paul Ratchie or Reggie or whatever. Yeah, I believe he was actually, actually he was in a real classroom when he's doing like the whole drum lesson thing for like basic drum lessons. And yeah, yeah. When he shows when he's uh, he shows the kids how to play the drums and all that, mm -hmm. but uh, or he's racing the kid with the uh, yeah. sign language alphabet. <laughs> yeah. But um, I I there like there were a, a couple parts is like again like my main complaint with this movie is you know being a heavy metal fan and all that is the fact that they called him a heavy metal drummer like, this isn't fucking metal that he's playing it's not even music that he's playing it's barely marching band that he's doing you know he's just occasionally hitting some drums behind this chick screaming and i was like this is fucking yoko ono it's all it is but then of course there was just the simple fact that it's like all right dude earplugs man you know it's like yeah. you should know from your first performance with this idiot that she's loud and you're leaving with your ears ringing put some fucking earplugs in dude you're still gonna be able to drum because you're still gonna know what's going on it's just gonna be a lot more muffled which yeah it's fine <laughs> yeah, even but, it, so for people who like to go to shows like i do if you are up front in the mosh pit bring some fucking earplugs protect your hearing yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's it just makes it makes sense, especially like nowadays with tinnitus and all the, the generations of rockers and all that have come before every drummer. Now there, there is that story of the drummer who can't hear anymore because he never used monitors or earplugs. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to keep my hearing. So right. I'm going to use monitors or earplugs, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but then there's the, some of the other cliches, like the, he gets his he gets his surgery, so he has the scars on his ears. That's legit. It's the thing with cochlear implants. So what else do we have to do to show that this man is growing? We have to shave his head, and he has to do it by himself in the mirror. He has to do that trope, you know? It's kind of like the get scared by something, go to the bathroom, and splash water on your face and stare in the mirror. You know, no one in real, real world does that shit. <laughs> no one now, when I they're think making a change. I think he shaved his head because of the scars. Like, he thought having well, the hair yeah. with the scars – Right, but at the same and time... And I don't think he necessarily had the money to go get a haircut. <laughs> well, that, and also, okay, let's talk about the money for a second. Yeah. He sells all of his worldly possessions, and he somehow gets what we're told the surgery is supposed to be $40,000 to $80,000. So we're just going to go bare minimum, he gets $40,000. We don't know what money he makes. We just know that he makes it to get the surgery. So let's say forty grand is what he makes. He gets... 40 grand worth of cochlear implants because when he turned they turn on his the, the sounds all distorted it's bad he hates it it's awful he goes to the party and it's like like i said it's like ten thousand mosquitoes through a drive-through microphone and 
if if that's me and I just shelled out 40K and lost all my worldly possessions to be able to quote unquote here again, and that's the hearing I get, I would burn that fucking hospital to the ground. <laughs> I would be so pissed off <laughs> that my life would be almost worse having those yeah. implants in, you know? I'd be like, there's no goddamn way I'm keeping these fucking things. But that and just the simple fact that we have, I, I'd almost rather he not reunite with Lou to an extent yeah. because then he just ends up homeless in France, you know? Yeah. And I'd almost rather he talk to her on the phone or do like a video call or something, or even if you want to go the truly tragic Oscar route, find out that she killed herself because she was cutting worse without him or something. And then yeah. end up dying in France, you know? And then his life is really like, okay, I've literally lost everything that I had before. Now I have to start over and be a better deaf person, basically. I would have liked to see an ending where he does stay and take on a role at the deaf community. That's what I wanted to see, too. I completely agree with you. I think that um, that was the best part of the movie. And that was the feel-good part of the movie is when he was really becoming part of the community. And so I wanted the thing to be not that he got implants and then, then accepted his deafness. I wanted him to be like on the verge of getting the surgery and accept his deafness. Yeah. Or if he goes to Paris without, before getting the implants, he goes and like does some way, like has her write stuff down because she doesn't speak sign language. And they discover that they drifted apart and he goes back to the deaf community and accepts the role there. And like, and like the struggle is whether or not he wants to hear again. Yeah. As opposed to, accepting his deafness and all that that and learning how to be deaf like they say that he has to do yeah. it's like his lesson it's his homework like almost yeah. every day aside from writing in the journal and smashing a donut every morning now <laughs> I think, like i can see where you're i can see where you're coming from because i also thought the same thing like that you know i wanted that to happen and have him go back to the deaf community the only problem with that though and I, the more i thought about it is that you know, I think it's good that they didn't do that because they don't want to make it look like going to the dip back to the deaf community was a second choice, like yeah. was it was a fallback option because yeah. that really should have been his number one option the whole time. Or he's crawling back with his tail between his legs kind of situation. Yeah, that yeah. would have been cliche, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing is the ending that they go with. It really gets the idea of this. Like, it seems like appreciating stillness or appreciate like. That, that is one of the big lessons of the movie. You have to be able to uh, find peace in the quiet little moments. Yeah. And it's, and it obviously it's a, it's a better thematic closure to his story when, when he is literally just peaceful, deaf and enjoying the silence, you know, he's, he's enjoying, he's almost content being deaf. And especially with those fucking implants in it's a hell of a lot better to be completely deaf than it is to hear that buzzing in your head the whole time that would drive me completely insane i would be no, jack, i would be french jack the ripper at that point you know, that's what now, i'm going on to <laughs> here's the thing there are a lot of schools for deaf people and i am someone who believes that even more than like spanish or something kids should be taught sign language because if you're the easiest sense for you to lose is your hearing like it's not that uncommon for people to lose their hearing so i feel like people should learn sign language in their life it should Rob, be taught um, in schools yeah. robin's learning yeah. in daycare right now <laughs> she's and, three 
So I'm like, he, he's totally homeless by the end of it, pretty much. No possessions. Well, he has that bag of stuff, yeah. <laughs> which I think but, is just like a change of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but if he somehow got like a teaching certificate and he he could totally like I there are a bunch of schools for deaf students and like they still like to explore like they do the vibrations and music and stuff like that. He could teach music. <laughs> he could teach music. But then again, he can't te- actually teach American Sign Language in yeah. France. <laughs> yeah. You would have to find that. Like, it would it well, be like I, American would be Sign like... Language? Would it be like American Sign Language as a second language over there? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like English as a second language is here? <laughs> Dude, is that like the deaf equivalent? Like you're speaking French with the uh, sign language, <laughs> but then your your other language is learning American Sign Language too? And then like no, Japanese, also, that is remember? something I never thought about is like how different cultures have different sign languages <laughs> right because you're a pig american mike that's why <laughs> you think the world revolves around us which it does <laughs> it does <laughs> but it does but um a question i had about this movie is how do they they kind of um like they go through it but do they actually say how long he s- spends at the deaf community not really no they never really like it's there's definitely a time skip like where it's like where he's first doing the classes versus when he's like giving the drum lessons and stuff like that so i would imagine there was at least eight months right and did you notice and i'm sorry because i know you mentioned this before and it's a nitpick and it's such a stupid detail but his hair didn't grow right right i know you mentioned the hair before totally shaved it off (laughs) right but yeah that that dialogue would have grown out right but and it's also there was a deaf barber yeah well there was also the time that it takes um over in france for lou and her father to reconcile and for her to get back on her horrifying feet as now a french yoko ono you know it's and apparently she's still got a little bit of a following in those shitty online forums that uh, ruben reads but so there is probably some time that does go by i'd say that is something else i would have liked to see i would have liked to see ruben have a discussion with the head of the deaf community about how he's feeling with her starting a new music career in France. Yeah, it yeah. should have there should have been some sort of like actual therapy going on, not just here's a journey, here's a notebook, write your shit, smash this donut, drink the coffee. You know, it's yeah, there's gotta be a little bit more to that. I mean, it's it, like I said, it's a rehab of sorts, you know, and because mm-hmm. he is, we do get the little twisted also that he's an ex recovering heroin addict of four years, mm-hmm. like clean and sober. So it's like we get the call to the sponsor at one point and we get mm-hmm. the question of whether or not he's feeling like he wants to use drugs That's again. another thing. I would have liked to meet the sponsor in the movie. Rather than I would have liked to see anything off. regarding the heroin. You know, him trying to maybe not do heroin again, like throw some sort of test for him. or something. Yeah, like yeah, something, relapse. you know. But that's not really there. Just attempt to, like, just, yes. you know, tempted to relapse. Like yeah. when he... Like when he reaches, when he goes to go into his um his RV, when he reaches into that one compartment, because he grabs the spare key is what he grabs. Mm-hmm. I thought he was grabbing like his stash, you know, something like that. So I was like, oh, we're going to relapse. Oh, no, he's just going into his trailer. That's yeah. that's not. But they couldn't nothing. they couldn't fully have him have a relapse because then that that's a whole nother movie. Yeah, right. then you add a whole new plot to the movie. So like maybe a near relapse or like getting talked down from. Yeah something like that but regardless i mean anything more to say about this mike 
So it this movie did win the Oscar for best sound editing and for absolutely amazing reasons. The sound editing is incredible. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's a great immersive experience. It really yeah. is. Because you that's you can't like be on your phone during this movie because there's a good shot you'll miss something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it it's a very good it's a very good way to pull someone into the story too. Cause most of the time with our main characters in every movie, you're quote unquote in their head or from their point of view or something like that. For this one, you're literally hearing what he's hearing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a great way to do understanding what he's understanding. Right. It's yeah. a great way to do it. And mm-hmm. a lot of lesser movies would have like been able, I would have been able to put the subtitles on for the, the, the sign language parts and I would have known what they're saying and, I, I mean, I could still, you know, pull myself in his shoes. Like, I always feel like a fish out of water. But still, it's like there is that extra level of not knowing what they're saying that it does does help out. And that also is um. so apparently this movie got delayed a couple times. It technically was officially released in 2019, but it was the uh, that was kind of like the festival release. Like it made its appearance at some festivals. It didn't get a theatrical release till December of 2020. Um, yeah. But apparently it got delayed several times because Darius Martyr was looking for, like, he wanted to find people as devoted to the project as he was, which Riz Ahmed, to learn to become fluent in sign language, like, worked on it four hours a day for a full year. And the the irony is he also spent six months or whatever learning the drums, which yeah. doesn't really play in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I could get in there and be like, okay, what do I have to do to be pretend to be a drummer? Well, for your performance on stage, you just have to hit the drums twice and you're good. It's like, I can do that. It's like, all right. So what do I have to do with this scene where I have to teach these deaf kids how to drum? Well, you just have to kind of play the bucket once or twice. I can do that too. I don't need to study the drums for six goddamn months to learn how to do that shit. I mean, this is called acting for a reason. Hey, but But, now we can play the drums. (laughs) Yes. But now we can play the drums and that, helped him when he was the villain in venom <laughs> but anyway so mike's that the that it for this yep movie? yep i'd say that was a great movie i highly recommend it perfect all right. overall really enjoyed it yeah yeah definitely so all right hon how's your beer final beer checking good yeah drinking well i have to i have to take it a little slow because i have work tomorrow unfortunately but um uh yeah really enjoying it and can't wait to try more from them noise mike I am doing well. I think I'm about a beer and a half through. I'm You're about not halfway. Sure. You're about halfway. But uh, but yeah, it, it is a bit of a thicker beer, so it's a slower drink. But I do enjoy it. Nice. Yeah, my off season sour. Should bottom again. It's pretty good. Well, a little past the halfway point of my second one, and uh, still delicious. Still peeling the lips back a little bit. A little tough to talk. A little cotton mouth. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit, but now we're going to get into my pick, which was Freaky, which was directed by this guy, Christopher Landon, and he also directed uh, two other movies that I quite enjoy, which was uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You, the, the sequel to Happy Death Day, but um, he also did a terrible uh, sequel to um, one of the paranormal sequel, paranormal activity sequels, but who gives a shit about that? Now... This movie, for those who have not seen it, is essentially, like the title suggests, Freaky Friday, 
But instead of a mom and a daughter learning what it's like to be in each other's shoes, we get a serial killer and a high school and a high school outcast, <laughs> like a like a quiet nerd in high school. And they switch bodies, and they happen to be played by Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton, two completely opposite people. <laughs> now, uh, do you know what the title was initially supposed to be? No. Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. Ah, um, yeah. That's why they, they got cease and desist the about that. Yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's um that that's probably set yourself up for a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this this movie is so great. So I remember like hearing from a couple coworkers, like one coworker at work, he uh, he was like, Yeah, you gotta check this movie out. Sorry, right. I'm like, I've had it on my list on HBO Max forever, you know. I probably will check it out, but one day I just got bored one night and I was like, All right, Kara's asleep, I'm gonna watch a movie, I'm gonna put this on. And about I don't know, 10 minutes in, I was like, Yep. I'm in 100%. Let's do this shit. <laughs> Once Vince Vaughn comes out as with the girl in his in his body, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and he's acting like a high school teenager, it's amazing. It is hands down amazing. Now, one of the uh, the complaints people made about Vince Vaughn's performance is he was they said he was acting like a generic teenage girl and not necessarily Catherine Newton, but. I think that's nitpicky, and I absolutely love Catherine Newton too. Yeah, she's good. She was also in um, was it Big Little Lies? She was also in I think yeah. Detective uh, Pikachu. Nah, yeah, okay. I didn't see Detective <laughs> Pikachu, but sure. But um, yeah, there's she's 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 great as well as him as the serial killer. I'm also <laughs> slightly in love with her. She's great. Like she's really <laughs> cool. You know. And it's it's so most, funny. Like, by the way, most age appropriate creep moment. She's like one month younger than me. So, well, there you go. Yeah, you're perfect, Mike. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and she was she's a February eighth birthday. That's the day before mine. So there we go. But um, but yeah, she's she's awesome. Like when when she actually gets to like let loose with some of the creepy like horrifying serial killer lines when the when the football player like grabs her ass or whatever oh my god that was the rawest fucking line of the movie (laughs) she she turns to him and says your touch makes this pussy dry up like sandpaper (laughs) i can't wait to kill you later (laughs) and the guy's just like she digs me yeah (laughs) and then of course there's the uh almost gang rape that the guy subjected to and she murders all three of them (laughs) yeah and that guy, especially with a chainsaw up the uh, up the dick. <laughs> now, but, her sister might, uh, well, Millie's sister might be the most incompetent cop of a horror movie ever. Yeah, she's not good. Yeah, yeah. and Char's that's no that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, she's no good. But um, <laughs> what there is a scene in this movie, and I've warned, I told, I told Mike, I I warned Mike about it. I think. I said, there's a scene in this movie that should not work. It shouldn't work at all. And I told Gara about it when she saw it. She was like, this absolutely should not work, but it does. There's the, there's a, a subplot in this, in this movie of uh, Millie's character um, has a crush on this football player. And the football player is, wait, never mind. I'm losing it. Booker is Booker. the character's name. Yeah, so she's got a crush on him. He joins the crew because, you know, in every Freaky Friday movie, the first thing you got to do is start spitting out shit that only your friends would know. And that's how you identify yourself as being the friend and not the person that they're seeing. 
so he's on their side and they're sitting in the back of this car. It's Vince Vaughn and this and Booker. They're in the back of a car and they're talking and they're talking about like him, the crush and like the poem that she wrote, let those locker, all this stuff. And it gets to the point where in any other movie, these two lovebirds would kiss and they do. <laughs> and it's Vince Vaughn kissing this like 20 year old kid and the gag is that he goes to put his hand on his face and he's like, oh, wait, can we do this when my hand isn't bigger than your face? <laughs> now, at that point, in a worse movie, you go, holy shit, this is awkward as hell. Vince Vaughn is kissing this boy, basically. But in this movie, Vince Vaughn is so good <laughs> as a teenage girl that you're like, you know what? This might actually be Catherine Newton in Vince Vaughn's body doing this. You know, it kind of well, works. Like, Apparently like- Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn spent so much time together when they made this movie. Well, Catherine Newton, I, I mean, it's it's like it's her just wearing Vince Vaughn makeup. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it shouldn't, like you said, it shouldn't work, but it absolutely does. Yeah, Uriah Shelton is the actor that plays Booker. But yeah, he's it's it, it the whole scene you're like this is oh they're not gonna kiss are they oh my god and then when they do you're like wait this isn't as weird as it should be right. <laughs> no i do not so the director um what was his name again uh landon uh, christopher landon so mm-hmm. he i believe in an interview he said that he did kind of try and work in his like uh growing up he struggled with being a closeted homosexual And he kind of tried to work in those themes into this movie to a degree. And it makes sense. Like, and it's, there's a lot of obviously like coping with who you are and struggling Mm -hmm. with like identity. And also like a feeling of if you are the Millie in this, you're a, a smaller girl in high school and you're, you suddenly become Vince Vaughn. You're like a six foot five, just towering monster, essentially. Like you get that kind of a power in you. It's like, well, uh, I'm not used to this. And then, of course, the other switch is we had several times where Vince Vaughn, quote unquote, in Millie has to use her body to be a murderer. And a couple of times he can't do what he wants to do. And he's like, this body's fucking useless. <laughs> he's like, I can't do anything. But then he realizes that he can use her looks against people, you know, and, and into his favor. So there is the other side of that, that the innocent part of her is a good cover as well (laughs) well and her being in his body one of the things that she says and it should be it's such a like corny line where she's like having balls sucks (laughs) you know like it's such a corny line it shouldn't work but it still does like and that's one of the things and it's got to be the director because i loved that it's you could say all the same things about happy death day and i I got it so in terms of uh horror comedy this dude is awesome (laughs) He is. He is. And I'm trying to remember the uh, the main character and the main actress, uh, Jessica Roth and the, like the character or Roth and the character's name is Tree. That's what I remember. Yeah, she's she's really good as well as in doing the um, like normal person put in weird fucked up situation. You know, it's it's really she's really good at that. And he's good at directing that, obviously. But one of my favorite characters in this movie is um, Misha Osherovich's uh, character. It's uh, Josh, who's the best friend, the uh, the quote unquote like gay best friend. There's a he scene has a with- line in very early in the movie that is questionable. Which one? Where she's like, "That sounds kind of rapey," and he sort of just goes, "So." 
Well, yeah. <laughs> well, there there, yeah, are, there are a couple lines because I think he's it, it is a very much a, a good send up of he can say whatever he wants because he's gay kind of thing. Like well, there are a few uh, lines again, like that. And then- in an interview, Landon was like, he's like, I know that like hypersexual uh, doesn't exactly follow rules of consent characters, usually reserved for a straight cis white male. And he's like, I kind of wanted to turn that on its head because that's not always who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, there. there is a little bit of a cliche of the secretly gay jock, you know, yeah. that kind of, tries to put the moves on Josh at the party and all that. And, but one of my favorite scenes is they have Millie of uh, Vaughn as Millie tied up in Josh's living room. And he's left in charge of her when everybody else leaves, he's left to, to keep an eye on her and his mom comes home and she sees her hurry. She sees Millie tied up. She's just standing with a knife and all that. And she's like, he's like, uh, it's role playing. She's like, isn't that a sex thing? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Is. He's like, mom, I've been I'm struggling to tell you this for a while now, but I'm straight. And she's like, Josh, there you are maybe many things, but one of them is not straight. <laughs> and it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> and that that wasn't the best defense, but yeah, and it works too. You're like, all right, it's such a great line. It made movie. me laugh out loud. Yeah, right. A lesser movie, like if you were to set this in the early 2000s, that would be a laugh at the gay kid joke. And it would be, look, he's gay. Look how, look how, look how gay he is. Look how fruity, quote unquote, he is. Like that's how the early 2000s would have handled it. But nowadays, that joke plays much better because you're like, okay, it's funny because he's clearly trying to put one over on his mom, and he's horribly failing at it. <laughs> and she bald face knows her son, so she calls him on it, and it's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> It almost reminded me of the scene in Rocket Man when he comes out as gay and his mom's like, honey, I've known you were gay forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're Elton John, it's I, I imagine it wasn't tough to figure out. <laughs> but yeah, there is there like this movie is so good because it takes that freaky Friday trope and it it does turn it on its head because as far as I know, this is the first time we've ever seen. Well, aside from what is it, the hot chick with Rob Schneider? I think this is the first time we've seen a good version of a male-female, quote-unquote, body swap, like a guy and a girl. But to have it be a serial killer adult male and a high school girl, that just makes it even better because she's also not a popular girl. Like, she is kind of like the nerd who's kind of dumped on. And her wood wood shop teacher... Which I want to know what Millie's really like that Alan Ruck keeps saying, like, she's looking out for attention. Once again, the world has to pay attention to her. It's like nothing that she's done in this movie gives me any kind of idea that she's a selfish bitch that you're making her out to be, man. That guy should have his teacher's license revoked. He should get cut in half. Um, Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So that worked. <laughs> so he did. Perfect. Yeah. On the that's a, that Just is one thing with this movie is that not one person who's killed do you go, oh, now every single one of them, you're like, all right. Yep. <laughs> and some of them you're actually like rooting for, like, or just the part where she's, um, where she in Vince Vaughn's body. So where Vince Vaughn gets 
uh, corners the bully in the bathroom, in the men's room. And he holds him up and the kid starts peeing himself and he goes, ew. And, you know, um, like that whole scene, it's like, yes, she's getting revenge. She's kicking ass. I love this. Like when she kills the uh, the popular little bitch. Yeah. You know, she puts her in a cryo tank. <laughs> Which one high school has a cryo tank? Ones with an elite athletic program. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> but it, when that happens, I was like, okay, then. But again, and like that's right after you do really see how awful this girl is because once she thinks that maybe Millie might be gay, she immediately starts getting homophobic and like hateful weather. And it's like, all right, kill her. Go ahead. <laughs> Put her in the cryo tank. Cut her head <laughs> off or something. <laughs> now, I do think the cold opening for this movie sets it up so well. But, but I have one problem with it. They talk about Vince Vaughn like he's like this folklore legend of the town. I'm like, no, this motherfucker is killing a lot of people. This would be a highly publicized, highly news covered event. He wouldn't be a folklore. People would be terrified because there is a serial killer running around who killed like 25 people in a matter of three days. Seems to not ever stop. <laughs> Seems to just constantly be on the prowl for murdering people. It's like it's like Crumbobulous Michael. Oh boy, here I go killing again. You know, <laughs> but my favorite part you mentioned that cold open. It's these it's these four teens at this party. There's two boys, two girls. They're at a, one of their one of their houses. They're telling ghost stories. They're blah blah blah. They're doing teen drinking shit, all that. And then of course two of them go off to have sex, and they're having sex in a garage. And the girl gets off. And immediately pushes the guy out of her because they're going doggy over the car. He pushes her, uh, him out of her. And he's like, well, what the fuck about me? She's like, you were taking too long. It's a pussy, not a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep, <laughs> there we go. We got, we have everything I need to know that this guy sucks and she's a bitch. These two are going to die. <laughs> they're horny and they're going to die. This is all I need in my movie, in my uh, slasher movie. This is great. <laughs> and then of course we get, which I thought was great because also like with the bliss, I think it's Blissfield, right? Is it the Blissfield butcher or the it's, yeah. the big, it's not the Something Bakersfield like that, butcher, yeah. it's like the Blissfield butcher. But he's wearing one of the fathers from that house, that cold open in the cold open house. The father or whoever's got like the ancient tribal masks wall, and he pulls one of them off the wall and he wears it. Of course, the rest of the movie, being I guess being since he's in Millie, he doesn't wear a mask, but Everyone knows what the Blissfield Butcher looks like before he's even on TV. Like right. people know what this guy looks like. So even then, he's not exactly a mystery either. You know, he's again, he's very active killing. Everyone knows what he looks like. So to a certain extent, it's like, what are the cops doing right. <laughs> that they can't find this guy? And it's like, and see, wow. He's really brazen. He's just straight up killing people with his face out and everything. He doesn't give a shit. And he wakes up in like the derelict, like homeless population. Right. So the homeless people know that they are abetting a serial killer. So this guy is just all over the place. And it's, it actually makes it better because the whole town immediately knows that Mill, that Vince Vaughn is a killer. So Millie's got an, a problem right off the bat when she wakes up as him. Yeah. Like she's got to be on the run. Yeah. And it's so great. <laughs> yeah, no, this movie was a whole lot of fun. The gore is solid. Uh, the co A lot of the com comedic bits hit. I do like Happy Death Day a bit better. 
I mean, I think they're both. I like them both. Yeah. This one. Yeah, I can't decide which one I like better. Yeah, if you want to take the trope, the two tropes, the Groundhog Day trope or the Freaky Friday trope, I think this one does the trope better. Yeah. But I think Happy Death Day kind of has a better, um, a better twist on their trope. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, whereas as opposed to serial killer high school girl, that one, it's like college girl stuck in a loop and doesn't know why you know and doesn't but even get it why <laughs> seeing this movie makes me wish happy death day got an r rating yeah it definitely <laughs> yes. needed that's that's the drawback from those two movies because they are both pg-13 yeah. and like in the cold open when Vince Vaughn kills the one kid with the tennis racket yeah. the broken tennis racket that gets on both sides of the kid's head it's so great i was like whoa all right I'm in. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> That's why going into this movie, I didn't expect the gore. I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. It, it was just a fun movie from start to finish. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Great. Yeah. I it, Ross had seen it and he was telling me that I had to watch it. And he's like, you know, let me put it on. Let me put it on. I was like, it's like, seriously, I, I was fully expecting not to like it. And as soon as it started, I'm like, okay, I'm all right. I'm into this. This is cool. It was good stuff. So it's probably enough about freaky. That that wraps up our uh, best of the decade that we've had for the last two months. So, uh, Kara, thanks for coming back on, sweetie. Oh, thank you so much. No, I'm excited that uh, I got to be on for the last um, episode of best of the decade. Yeah. Tyler, Hi, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, Tyler. Tyler. Oh, wait. That's right. We have to do a wellness check on Tyler, see if he's even alive at this point. <laughs> we're going to have to, like, for our social media posts, we're going to have to, like, crop Tyler into the, like, crop him next to the green, next to Gawain for the green right. night. <laughs> like, I sent Mike a picture that was a mashup of the Holy Grail and the green night. we got to put Tyler in there somewhere. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so, Mike, uh, until uh, we go next week, where can people find us on the internet? So on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Happy Hour Films Podcast. If you're on Facebook, you're talking to Ross. If you're on Instagram, you're talking to me. Leave us a like, leave us a follow, shoot us a comment. We love to hear from you. You can find us streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcast. Thanks to Anchor. Again, at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And um, all right, so next week, we're going to be in the month of January. We're going to be in the new year, 2022. And, um, well, we talked about him. We talk about him a lot. And we're going to really get into the man directly. So we had our Keanu cast a while ago. We have talked about Keanu for several reasons, for several different reasons, different movies, blah, blah, blah. Mostly because he's amazing. <laughs> because he's our greatest living actor. And Besides Nicholas Cage? Oh! <laughs> If there's ever a co-champs and a co-title shares, it's those two. Greatest living yeah. actor you encompasses both. When you say greatest living actor, you mean, it's like aloha. You mean Nick Cage and Keanu Reeves at the same time. It's like hello and goodbye at the same time, you know? But, so, I stumbled across a list that we had, that was published on in Esquire uh, magazine online back in November. Now, apparently during the filming of the matrix i think it was the matrix or the matrix resurrections it was one of the two keanu reeves carrie moss's son was asked uh asked keanu reeves to give him his favorite movie and keanu went one better 
Keanu gave a list of movies that you must see. And here was a fairly long list. It's about, what do we say, Mike? About 18 movies? Yeah. And eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It's 18 movies. About a handful of these we've already talked about, so we're only going to briefly mention them next week, but that's what we're going to do. For the next month, we're going to do Keanu Reeves' recommendations, and we're going to run through his list. We're going to talk about roughly three a week if we can, maybe two, whatever works, but we're going to get into the man himself and the movies that he says you should absolutely see, and he's got some good ones. He's got some really good ones on there. He's got a couple that I've never even heard of, but he's got some really, he's got some good ones. And looking at the list, there is there. It's pretty much a list of movies that you absolutely definitely should see if you watch movies. You know, they're they're all over the place. And we're going to get into that uh, starting next week. So until that time, once again, hun, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Until that time, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.